Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, long COVID has become a common household term since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, just last month, President Biden classified it as a disability. And the National Institute for Health allocated $1 billion to study it. And while there's no doubt... Uh, of those who suffer from the long-term effects of the virus. Uh, we have dear friends and people uh, in our building who have experienced this. Uh, I want to get to this idea around the data uh, and the government because sometimes what happens in the process of all of any kind of catastrophe, any kind of challenging situation, is often we we outrun where we really are and uh, that ends up hurting the people who need help the most. And Phil Magnus is a senior research fellow at the American Institute of Economic Research. Uh, he joins us now to discuss uh, some things that are influencing public health that maybe shouldn't be uh, and maybe hurting people with these kinds of diseases or this kind of symptom, uh, as well as uh, the public in general. Phil, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's let's jump into this a little bit in terms of getting to the right kind of data. You've been uh, tracking and watching some things. Anytime you see uh, a study pop up for a billion dollars, um, there's always some questions around that. Or there should always be questions around that. I should put it that way. Uh, tell us what you've been finding and uh, where are we really when it comes to this? Well, we know that uh, COVID, just like any other respiratory illness, does have very real long-term effects. In some cases, uh, go on well beyond the normal uh, disease course. But we also know that there are a lot of uh, problems with the information that's been reported. And one of the things is that's coming out in the medical journals is uh, they're relying on self-reported survey data of people who claim to have long COVID but uh, were never tested or never verified of even having the disease in the first place. Uh, and this came to a head a couple of weeks ago when a, uh, a journal run by The Lancet, one of the top medical journals, published the results of a survey claiming over 200 symptoms could be identified with long COVID, and yet if you dig into the survey, you find that uh, greater than half of all respondents to it never even had a positive COVID test. Mm. See, and that's, and that's what drives me crazy is so you, you have some data that suddenly we're relying on, uh, and it doesn't really pass muster in terms of uh, the science. Again, we're always trying to get to the science. And, and then sadly, I think what happens as a result of that is those who really are experiencing those symptoms, that long-term impact, they're suddenly not getting the treatment and support they should be getting because we've got people making decisions based on bad data. I think that's exactly the problem. You have people that, uh, that genuinely need medical care, 
but uh, the attention and the ability to focus in on their symptoms to precision treat that is being cluttered by people claiming over 200 symptoms, and some of these are, are, are things that are just very bizarre. They're not the usual loss of taste and smell or respiratory problems. There are people that are claiming things like brain fog and, and, and nausea and long-term uh, other health effects that don't really sound a lot like COVID. Yeah, and that's, a, again, such a, an interesting thing. So how do we... How do we get, I think this has been the big challenge through all of this, is how do we get to the truth in terms of the scientific discourse? Uh, We know that things eventually kind of ease their way out and people start to challenge numbers or data or whatever or get to more specifics or more reliable sets of data. Uh, But what should people be looking out for? What should they be leery of uh, when it comes to this? What should be leery of the politics? Because unfortunately, long COVID or long-term symptoms have been uh, appropriated into some of the political messaging to get more funding, to get more uh, attention diverted uh, to this problem. So uh, Francis Collins, who's the NIH director, uh, a guy that's been all over the TV for uh, reporting on COVID, actually cited one of these junk surveys that, uh, that came from a, a self-administered uh, wellness blog that was run by a group of like psychic healer types. Uh, that's, that's bad scientific information, and it's politicized scientific information we want to get to the truth, we actually have to look at good survey design, good scientific principles, and hold our uh, our health authorities and the journals that they're using to a higher standard. Yeah, and I and uh, I want to dig down just a little bit on the uh, it's kind of the ultimate cocktail uh, of of bad things. We <laughs> the parade of horribles, I guess we should we should deploy of of bad science and bad politics. Uh, one of those is just bad, but when we also have our politicians using bad science or bad data, uh, that just totally undermines the public's trust both in science and in in government that can be helpful. Well, entirely, it's a uh, it's a question of misappropriating scarce public resources that should be used for good, that should be used for supporting research into diagnosing this problem, uh, getting us past this pandemic. But when they're reappropriated for a political purpose, uh, including by bureaucrats that like to see their budgets increased, uh, that becomes a real problem because it's distorting the science. But it's yeah. also doing it in such a way that's wasting public resources. Yeah, the, the distortion, I, I think, is, uh, again, and, and it can happen on either end of the spectrum. You know, those who may say, well, this yeah. is, you know, nothing's really happening. Happening, this is all in your head kind of stuff to those who are really suffering and saying, hey, no, we should be spending more on this. Uh, both of those groups end up getting hurt when we're when we're playing with both bad science and bad politics. I think that's absolutely the case. So we have to be budget watchdogs, but we also have to be guardians of good scientific principles. Okay, and that's, that's to me the real critical component for all of us. As we consume the information, you have to go past the headline. You have to not just look at what the numbers say up top. you got to dig into that, and then you got to check out the source. Uh, and I know for some folks that, that just becomes exhausting because uh, we don't all have 24-7 to, to dive into these things. Uh, what what do you recommend uh, in terms of what people can do? You know, someone who doesn't have time to dig into the, the deep, deep, deep weeds of things, uh, but they do have an interest. Uh, what's the best way to for people to really assess uh, what they're uh, taking in when it comes to this kind of science and this kind of politics? You know, I always say uh, take what uh, politicians say with a grain of salt, whether that's coming from the left or the right, because there's almost always an angle that's uh, brought in there. Uh, to the extent that you can, go to the sources. Uh, but sometimes, you know, as you, the sources are 
difficult to access, especially for uh, scientific literature. Uh, but just inform yourself about a diversity of viewpoints. Uh, generally, you find uh, a closer glimpse of the truth coming from multiple perspectives rather than taking it on the authority of a headline. All right. Uh, great insight, as always. Uh, we appreciate Phil Magnus uh, joining us. He's a senior research fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research, uh, holds a Ph.D. and an MPP from George Mason's University of Public Policy. And I uh, always appreciate your perspective and helping us get down to the uh, real essence uh, of a lot of these issues. Thanks for joining us today, Phil. Having me. All right. Again, that's uh, Phil Magnus joining us. And, and this kind of stuff just drives me bananas. Uh, because you've got uh, something like long COVID. And again, I know most of you listening know at least one person, if not more, suffering. And, and that suffering is real. Uh, and then to see that, you know, you've got people with political interests, you've got people who've got financial interests, and it's preventing us from making sure that those who are experiencing those kinds of symptoms and that kind of long haul challenge. Uh, from getting the care they need, from having research they can trust in terms of assessing their symptoms and their outcomes and what kind of treatments they can they can get for all of those things. Uh, and so and it really crosses the political spectrum. And so it it does just require us to to dig a little deeper. Uh, don't just take face value, uh, because, again, if you if you're out quoting some bad science and some bad data, you're you are part of the problem. <laughs> And sadly, in our social media world and never-ending cycle of information, we're often missing the real data, the real science that can actually provide some real solutions. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for listening to hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We're looking at infrastructure coming up next. We may have just hit a CBO problem. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.